Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Happy Friday, or whatever day it is for you. I hope you are doing well. If you haven't seen the most recent social media posts, or if you don't use social media or don't follow the podcast on social media, I made an announcement that instead of releasing an episode every week, I'm going to start releasing an episode every other week. This is because I'm starting my second year of law school, and I'm involved in a lot of things this year, and basically, I still want to do the podcast, but if I were to try and keep up with it every week, I think it would start to feel like a chore, and I might resent it, and I don't want that, so... From this episode forward until probably for quite a while, there will be an episode released every other week instead of every week. But the podcast is still going to happen. It's still going to be the same podcast, just every other week instead of every week. Alrighty, with that being said, I think we should just dive into this episode because this is an interesting one. I've been asked to do it a couple of times. So the sources I use for this episode, I used an article from Rolling Stone by Laura Barcella, an article from the New York Times by Taffy Brodeser-Ackner, an article by CBS from 2019, an article by Udi Pack from Biography.com, an article from ABC7 News titled Tanya Harding, After Infamous Kerrigan Attack, Where Is She Now?, and then two Wikipedia pages. This episode is probably over one of the most famous sports scandals of all time. It involves the Olympics, a rivalry, all of the good stuff that everyone loves. So this is Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. First, let's get to know the two main characters in this episode, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. So first, we're going to talk about Tanya. Tanya's full name, Tanya Maxine Harding, who now goes by Tanya Maxine Price, was born in Portland, Oregon on November 12th, 1970. She began ice skating at the young age of three while she was also hunting and drag racing cars. So from a young, yet from a young age, she was just doing the most. Her parents split up when she was 16 years old, and then during her sophomore year of high school, she dropped out to focus more on ice skating. She did get her GED certification, though, after she dropped out of high school. Unfortunately, she had some pretty just horrific stuff happened to her in her childhood. Tanya claimed that she was frequently abused by her mom and that by seven years old, physical and psychological abuse was a normal part of her life. Her mother did eventually admit to hitting Tanya once at the skating rink, but kind of disputed everything else. And then also later on in life, one of Tanya's friends spoke in defense of Tanya's mother and said that some of Tanya's claims had been stretched pretty far. So Tanya's claiming this horrific abuse. Tanya's mom and some of Tanya's friends are kind of being like, eh, that kind of seems a bit extreme. And that's that situation. 
Another traumatic thing to have happened to her and a sexual assault warning is that she was raped by her half-brother, Chris Davidson, when she was a child. She called the police after Chris had been sexually harassing her, and he did end up spending a short time in prison. Tanya said that her parents were in denial of what Chris had done and pressured her not to press charges against Chris. Chris eventually died from an unsolved hit-and-run, and Tanya would later say that Chris was, quote, the only person I've ever hated, end quote. When Tanya was 15 years old, she met Jeff Giluli, who she eventually married at the age of 19. And you might be hoping that this marriage would be happy for Tanya and it would have worked out and kind of relieved her of her childhood trauma, but it was quite the opposite. It was a violent marriage, and in 1991, a police report stated that Jeff, quote, threatened to break his wife's legs and end her career, end quote. There were at least two restraining orders filed against him during their marriage, and their marriage lasted from 1990 to 1993. Focusing more on Tanya's skating career, she started at a very young age, and in the mid-1980s, she began to compete and climb the ladder of success. In 1986, she placed 6th in the U.S. Figure Skating Championships, 5th in 1987 and 1988, and then 3rd in 1989. She won the 1989 Skate America competition, and then in 1991, she did something pretty major. She executed a triple axle in a competition, and she was the first American woman to do so. In the March 1991 World Championships, she placed second behind Christy Yamaguchi and finished in front of Nancy Kerrigan, which was the first time that one country swept at the World Figure Skating Championships. She did many triple axles in 1991, but after 1991, she wasn't able to complete one in competition, and after 1991, her results in competitions really started to go downhill. She placed sixth in the 1992 World Championships. So that is a little background on Tanya before we get to the scandal. So now focusing on Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy was born on October 13th, 1969 in Stoneham, Massachusetts. She took up figure skating at six years old. She started private lessons at eight years old and won her first competition at the age of nine. Her family worked hard to support her skating career, such as working three jobs at one point to help her pay for it. Well, I guess she was a child, so she wasn't paying for it, but to help pay for it for her. Clearly, Nancy's upbringing was more stable and a much more adequate home than Tanya's was. There didn't seem to be any claims of abuse or mistreatment, a very just supportive, loving family growing up who did just about anything to get her to skate. Her rise to fame started when she got fourth at the junior level in the U.S. Figure Skating Championships in 1987. She then went up to the senior level and improved every year, 12th place in 1988, 5th in 1989, and then 4th in 1990. Her success continued when she placed third at the 1991 U.S. Figure Skating Championships, and she also qualified for the 1991 World Figure Skating Championships where she was awarded a bronze medal. This is when she placed third behind Christy Yamaguchi and Tanya Harding. In 1992, she won a bronze medal in the Winter Olympics. She had started to get corporate sponsorships and was offered various opportunities to perform professionally, but she put those opportunities on hold to prepare for the 1994 Olympics. Competition was going to be intense, and she wanted to be ready. 
two star skaters were going to be there, her and Tanya Harding. Before we dive into the attack and the aftermath, just as a reminder, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding had already faced off in the 1991 U.S. Figure Skating Championships. They had also faced off in the ISU World Championships in Germany. Both times, Tanya had beat Nancy. So at this point, they had been competing for a couple of years against each other when the fateful year of this attack happened, 1994. The attack itself was pretty simple, and it doesn't take much time or detail to describe what happened. On January 6th in 1994, Nancy was practicing her skating at the Detroit Cabo Arena. She was off the ice and then walking back, um, kind of in like a back hallway alleyway in the arena, when a man named Shane Stant came toward Nancy and hit her in the leg with a collapsible baton. There is video of Nancy right after the attack happened, and she was being attended to by a medical professional, and she is screaming, quote, why, why me, end quote. When she was asked about the attack and asked what happened, she said, quote, someone was running by me, and he just, like, whacked me with this long black stick, end quote. At the time of this attack, Tanya had been napping, so she wasn't skating or anything. She was just off doing her own thing in La La Land napping. That's the attack. It's pretty simple, just, well, not just, but it was a baton to the knee or to the leg. And though Nancy had been hit in the leg, luckily her injuries weren't too severe. The damage was just bruises. There were no broken bones. Even though there were no broken bones, it was severe enough that she had to pull out of the upcoming national championships. And then just two days later, Tanya Harding won gold at the 1994 U.S. Figure Skating Championships, and because of that, Tanya was guaranteed a spot in the Winter Olympics in Norway. Because Nancy's attack had caused her to have to drop out, there were other skaters that sympathized with her and offered her a spot to compete in the Olympics. On January 11th, so just five days after Nancy's attack, Tanya was interviewed and was asked if she thought that someone she knew could have planned the attack. In this interview, Jeff, who was her husband or ex-husband at the time, was standing in view of the camera behind her. She said, quote, I definitely have thought about it, end quote. The interview then ended with Tanya saying, quote, no one controls my life but me. If there's something in there that I don't like, I'm going to change it, end quote. While all of this is going on, Tanya doing well at the championships, her giving these interviews, the FBI is undergoing an investigation, and they are looking into Tanya Harding's bodyguard, Sean Eckhart. The FBI is also looking into allegations that not only Tanya's bodyguard, but her ex-husband Jeff orchestrated the attack on Nancy. On January 12th, just six days after the attack, Sean, who is Tanya's bodyguard, confessed to the FBI and implicated Tanya, Tanya's ex-husband, and two of his own friends. Both Sean and Derek Smith were arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit second-degree assault. About one week later, on January 19th, Jeff turned himself in after an arrest warrant was issued. Despite all of this happening... Tanya continued to deny her involvement in the attack on Nancy. Another week later, Jeff confessed to the FBI and implicated himself, Tanya, Sean, Smith, and Shane Stant. 
Despite this, Tanya kept training for the Olympics. And then on January 27th, Tanya admitted that she had failed to report things that she knew about the planned attack on Nancy. So at this point, Tanya's like, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. Okay, I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't have a plan in it. And I definitely should have reported it. My B. All of this is going on, but there's something fairly large looming in the background of all of this. Competing at the Olympics. As Tanya is starting to look more and more guilty, it is questioned whether she, sh- she should be able to compete. The U.S. Olympics Committee was going to hold a discussion to see if Tanya should participate, and then Tanya sued to try to get them to stop, but then she dropped the suit, and then eventually the committee decided to cancel the hearing. Because of all of this, Tanya was going to be allowed to skate in the 1994 Olympics. On February 25th, 1994, what some may call poetic justice is served. Kerrigan, Nancy Kerrigan, won a silver medal in Norway, while Tanya Harding placed eighth. She was still under investigation by authorities at the time of this competition. On March 16th, Tanya pled guilty to conspiracy to hinder prosecution. She was placed on probation for three years and had to pay $160,000. She also agreed to resign from the U.S. Figure Skating Association. In May of 1994, Smith and Stant pleaded guilty to conspiracy to second-degree assault, and they were sentenced to 18 months in prison. In June of 1994, Tanya's national figure skating title from 1994 was taken away, and she was banned for life from the U.S. Figure Skating Association. In July of 1994, Eckhart was sentenced to 18 months for racketeering. Also, in July of 1994, that same month, Jeff, who was Tanya's ex-husband, was sentenced to two years in jail and fined $100,000 for racketeering. Tanya was the only one involved in this to not serve prison time. After this whole ordeal, Tanya's future was quite interesting. In the summer of 1994, Tanya and Jeff released a sex tape. In 1995, at their only performance, Tanya and her band, called the Golden Blades, were booed off the stage. Tanya then got remarried in 1995 and then divorced in 1996. And then also in 1996, she appeared in a low-budget action film called Breakaway. If you thought that was interesting, that's not the end of it. She also had a short boxing career that started on Celebrity Boxing, where she faced off against Paula Jones. She had a very short career in boxing and in total won three matches and lost three matches. She seemed to remain unpopular as she was booed when she entered the ring against boxer Amy Johnson. She also did a bunch of other random things, such as setting a land speed record for a vintage gas coupe in 2009, where the speed was 97.117 miles per hour, while she was driving a Ford Model A. She was a celebrity guest on Dancing with the Stars in April of 2018, and in August of 2018, she competed on the show Worst Cooks in America. She won that show, and the prize was a donation to a charity of her choosing, and she chose St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So that is Tanya's future after this whole ordeal. 
As for Nancy Kerrigan, after the Olympics, she was inducted into the United States Figure Skating Hall of Fame in 2004. She turned to professional skating after the Olympics and had a pretty successful career. She hosted Saturday Night Live with musical guest Aretha Franklin, which, lucky duck, being able to be there with her, a legend. She appeared on the show Skating with Celebrities. She also had a small role in Blades of Glory. She wrote a book about advanced figure skating techniques, and she was also on Dancing with the Stars, but it was in 2017, so no crossover with Tanya Harding. As for her personal life, she married her agent Jerry Solomon and is still married with three children. Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding did talk during a very awkward joint interview on Fox in 1998, so four years after the attack, and it's on YouTube. If you want to watch it, it's really awkward. But in this interview, one of the things that Tanya says is, quote, I just ask forgiveness. She has her life, and I have my life. I would hope we could just end it, end quote. In a documentary titled Nancy and Tanya, Nancy says about this ordeal, quote, I would have liked to have just done what I had worked so hard for and not have it be linked to this horrific act, end quote. And I think that's a fair point because she worked her whole life for the skating career and she achieved so much. She went to the Olympics, she's in the Hall of Fame, but really what she's known for is when someone orchestrated an attack against her. That has to be kind of discouraging where you work your whole life, you achieve a ton of success, but what you're known for is an unfortunate thing that happened to you. Mm, I would not like that. In 2017, there was a movie titled I, Tanya that came out, and Tanya Harding, the real Tanya Harding, loved the movie. There was an article from the New York Times, which I cited at the beginning, where she did an interview, and I am going to read a kind of longer excerpt from this article. And again, the article is from the New York Times, written by Taffy Brodesser Ackner, just to give the credit where credit is due. But quoting from the article, quote, The reason she loves the movie is because it conveys something she doesn't feel was ever conveyed before. There were mitigating circumstances. Her life was terrible. She was beaten. She was threatened. You don't get this way unless you were counted out completely. Her own mother didn't seem to love her. The only time in her life she ever got anywhere was when she circumvented the rules and took for herself what appeared to be given to the Nancy Kerrigans of the world. Miss Kerrigan was from a working class family too, but she was loved. Her parents drove her to practices and cheered for her and cried with joy. She had Vera Wang skating outfits. Tanya had nothing. She had costumes that her mother made with sequins everywhere so that her thighs got cut up. Then she had to make them herself, earning point deductions for the quality. She danced to ZZ Top while others were dancing to Mozart. They had trainers and dietitians, and Tanya was eating broccoli and cheese from the Spud City where she worked at at the mall. She had asthma. She had muscles. Tanya said, quote, I was always told I was fat. I was ugly. I wouldn't amount to anything. If you don't smile and follow through, they're not going to give you the marks. If you wear that ribbon, they're not going to give you the marks. If you wear that dress, they're not going to give you the marks. End quote. 
Continuing from the quote with the article, this has nothing to do with exoneration. It hasn't for a long time. Her side of the story is not about guilt or innocence. The discussion over guilt and innocence ended right about the time that she completed her community service as far as she's concerned. But it's about the finer points of being Tanya Harding. Respect, mitigating circumstances, how we treat people, and what we expect from them in the first place. End quote. I wanted to read that quote because it provides an interesting side from Tanya's perspective of how just horrible her life was. And while the article is well written, to me, there was one part of the quote where it says it has nothing to do about with exoneration. It's not about being guilty or innocent. And I mean, she completed her community service, so she completed the punishment to the crime. But at the same time, a lot of people have a lot of terrible situations in their lives. People come from broken homes, people come from abusive homes, people come from all sorts of circumstances that doesn't justify hurting another person, being any kind of harmful to another person. And while I'm sure it's like statistically more likely that if you grow up in an abusive environment, you become an abuser or you become a violent person. Like I'm sure statistics can show that correlation, but even though those statistics probably show that that's true, that doesn't justify those actions. And so I think it's important to remember that Tanya is a human and that she did have a terrible situation that was completely out of her control. But at the same time, she chose to be a part of something that ended up purposely hurting another person. And no matter what your circumstances are in life, that's never okay. And with that, that concludes Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. I have not seen the movie I, Tanya, but I really want to, especially after researching this episode. And again, if you want to watch that interview with Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, just Google it. It's from 1998, I think I said. It is really awkward, though, and I don't think the joint interview happens until about halfway through, but I couldn't even watch all of it just because it was so, so awkward. Alrighty, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to keep up with the latest, I'm going to post photos related to this episode on social media, Instagram at Scandal101Podcast, Twitter at Scandal101Pod, Facebook, search Scandal101Podcast, you'll find the page there. The website is scandal101podcast.podbean.com. You can find the show notes there. They are also linked in the episode description. And then if you have a topic suggestion that you want me to do an episode over, please send that to scandal101podcast at gmail.com. You can also send your personal scandals there if you want them right on the podcast. Like I said before, I'm only going to read them on like kind of downer episodes and this one's not that much of a downer, but yeah. So if you have those, send them in. Again, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as a reminder, there won't be another episode out next week because starting now, episodes are going to come out every two weeks. So see you in two weeks, even though I won't see you because this is podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This has been episode 63 of Scandal 101.